0: Edition of the Logan Blast. and Week Show. Oh, we are excited for off today's off show because it is divisional the, round weekend. Last week, of course, we had wild. We had super, super wild card weekend. This week, and we just got the divisional round, just standard divisional round. Unless we're gonna call it like the the super duper divisional round or something like that. I don't know, but it's it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun, and I hope you all are ready for a good edition or a, a good, a great edition of the Logan Blackman Show, but before we get into today's show today, let's go over the housekeeping items first. Make sure you follow Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify, It's how you're listening to the show right now. So, you can find me on Twitter at Logan underscore Blackman, Instagram account is Blackman Logan, with the show's Instagram account being TheLoganBlackmanShow1, you can find me on Facebook and YouTube, To search Logan Blackman Show, it should pop up, and then make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel, and then you make sure that you uh, 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 you, like follow, you like and follow the Facebook page as well. And then, of course, once again, you're listening to the show right now, so make sure you're following the Apple Podcast, Spotify account. If you're listening to it right now and you're not sure, just go ahead and double check and then do so if you haven't already. And then while you're doing that, make sure to leave a rating out of five stars can be a one-star rating, it be a five-star rating, I don't care what it is, just as long as you leave a description down below on why you feel the way you do. Now, now, let's go over uh, the divisional round, because so it's going to be fun. Divisional round of the playoffs always gets a little bit interesting. If you remember last year, I was at the Buffalo Bills versus Kansas City Chiefs game for the divisional round, a game that I believe that if the Bills won, now you could say, oh, Logan, you're so biased. Logan, you're insanely biased. Logan, this is stupid. You can't prove this. And I know I can't prove it. I can't prove it. But this is just how I feel about the situation. I think if the Buffalo Bills win that game, they go on to win the Super Bowl. I could be very, very wrong about that. I could be very wrong about that. But the thing is, you can't prove me wrong either because the Bills lost. Now, I guess that kind of in itself proves itself because the Bills didn't win that game. So how do expect to lose? Beat a team that beat the team that they lost to. And then the team that they beat, a team that they lost to, who lost the team that they beat, and then they lose the team that the Bills would have played in the Super Bowl. It was just have been a big sound. It felt like Porky Pig there from the Looney Tunes. But that game is the craziest game of all time. I would say the, great, the craziest game I've been to, but that's that's a that's a non-factor. I mean, that's obvious. I've been to a lot of games throughout my lifetime, whether it's in college, high school, NFL, whatever. That is the best game I've ever been to, and the problem is, is that I came out and my uh, all of Bills Mafia Nation came out on the losing end of that game. They, I will go to my grave saying, and there's obviously some great quarterback duels throughout the ed- the history of the NFL. There's obviously some great ones, but I think in a playoff game of that magnitude, that is the greatest quarterback duel of all time. And I'm open to having someone display, give to me another option here, but I feel like that was just insane. Like I haven't even. I didn't even think I was going to talk about this because I try to avoid talking about this as much as possible. <laughs> but um, if we look back at last year, what were the statistics for that game between Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes? So, in that game, Josh Allen went 27 for 37, 329, four touchdowns, no picks. Mahomes went 33 of 44, 378, three touchdowns, no picks. No turnovers for either team. Josh Allen fumbled, but he recovered his own fumble. So it was a. Uh, or no, he didn't. What was the situation with the fumble? I don't even really remember. But. Josh Allen also had 68 yards on the ground as well. Been up some massive, massive games for the Bills as the game went on. Mahomes also led the Chiefs in yards in this game as well. He had 69 rushing yards. So this game, just both quarterbacks, both quarterbacks, (laughs) like it is the single greatest quarterback duel of all time. And the game, it's funny, the game started out 14-14 at halftime. When you have a game that starts off 14-14 at half. You don't really expect there to be a lot of fireworks the rest of the game. You're kind of like, oh, this is just going to be one of those games, isn't it? And then it just went freaking supernova at the end of the game. Like, in the fourth quarter, the Bills scored 15 points. Chiefs scored 13 points. Like, it was insane. 36-36 going into overtime. And I'll never forget sitting there in Arrowhead Stadium with Brady tailgating all day. We drove down there in the morning. We were going back up that night. And we're sitting there, and everything is just going freaking chaotic. I didn't check my phone one time throughout the entirety of the game. Not even halftime. Because I was so enthralled <laughs> by Nelly performing the halftime show. And I saw something the other day. I think Lil John is performing the halftime show of this game for the Kansas City Chiefs for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think. I could be very wrong about that. I'm not sure who the I, – I thought I saw something – about who the halftime perform was, but that Nelly performance was freaking weird because you know how normal halftime show performances, they put them down in the field, they set up like a big stage and everything, they got the sound system everywhere, but in Arrowhead, if you've never been to Arrowhead, there is like a little perch at one end of the stadium, opposite end of the tunnel, and they usually do like the drum there, so they do like the the special guest, the drum leader or something, I don't know what they call it, but they have a guy up there, or a girl, and they just bang on the drums, they go, uh, that stupid thing. Well, they had Nelly placed up there. So the music started and all you hear, like you're just minding your own business. They didn't have any like precursor to the halftime show. Brady and I saw it while we were going down there, completely forgot about it. Then all of a sudden you hear, Oh, it's the start of hot in here by Nelly. Are you like, where the hell is this coming from? And then you look like it could have been one of those. You remember the Justin Timberlake Super Bowl halftime show up in Minneapolis? where he came out from the crowd. So it was one of those things where I was like, maybe he's coming from the crowd. No, he's on the opposite end of the stadium of us, and no one celebrates. Like, these in-stadium concerts, like, when you're not there for a concert, they don't hit, like, at all. And they're usually people that not a lot of people really care about. Like, I went down to Dallas for the Thanksgiving game between the Buffalo Bills and Dallas Cowboys a few years ago, and Ellie Goulding was the halftime show. Not a single soul in that stadium cared. About that halftime show. And Nelly, I think, is better than uh, Ellie Goulding. But no one cared. When you're there for a football game, it doesn't matter who the halftime show is. They're just not... They don't care. Like, concerts versus... Like, you go to a stadium for a concert. That's a little bit different. You know what you're expecting. And then you just get thrusted into a Nelly concert. I don't even know if you wanted to call it a concert. It was just weird. It was just really weird. I completely forgot about it. I I barely remember what happened at that, sh- that show because I was like... I don't care. <laughs> we weren't standing up, jumping around or anything. We weren't even singing along a little bit. I was bobbing my head a little bit, but that was about it. And the second half kicked off. And then lights out. Then lights out. Then 13 seconds, living in my head, rent-free for the rest of my life. And I got it brought up to me on Monday night, actually. My friend Justin, who was there at Zach's apartment on Monday night watching the Cowboys-Bucks game, he found a thing on Instagram, and it had a don't bring these things up or like every NFL fan's least favorite thing that happened to their team or something like that. And you've got like all these different things for each team that they don't like. And he was like, what's 13 seconds mean to you? And I was like, Oh yeah, this is fun. I got an easy Eddie right here. I might as well just take a sip of it right now. But it's like, I'm happy and upset that I was at that game. And I, I talk to my friends about this all the time. Like when they when this game first ended, everybody asked me, "Was oh, well, how is that? You were what you witnessed history?" He's like, "Yeah, I did." But like the Vikings game earlier this year, people calling that game the game of the year. I don't want to be on the losing end of the game of the year anymore. I'm tired to be on the losing end of the game of the year. And that game was the game of the year. But I am happy I was there but upset at the same time because that hurts so much more being there in the stadium as it happened when the Chiefs marched right down the field, when the Bills played prevent defense. And I watched the thing earlier today. It was the most heartbreaking divisional round losses in NFL history. It was posted like yesterday or something. And the Bills-Chiefs game was on there. Travis Kelsey was mic'd up, I guess, for that game. And he said, hey, if they're going to play like that, the scene's open. And the scene was open. Like, when you play prevent defense, you, pre- you prevent yourself to lose. It's the oldest adage in football. One of the oldest adages in football. Especially when you have the number one defense in the NFL, number one scoring defense, number one, whatever defense you want to call it, in the NFL, yeah, you screwed yourself playing prevent, prevent defense. And then they obviously make the field goal to go tied up, go to overtime. Josh Allen loses the coin toss, and the Chiefs go down the, sco- down the field. Travis Kelsey gets hit in the end zone for the touchdown, covered by Matt Milano, all pro Milano, all Milan pro, as we're calling him now. But, like, you look at that game, and you see the season before, and you look at the Buffalo Bills losing the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. Different different feelings going into that game. The Bills, obviously, they beat the Colts in the first round of the playoffs, and then they beat the Ravens in the second round. Taron Johnson's 100-yard pick six, and then 102-yard pick six, sorry. And then you go against Kansas City, and they just completely shit the bed. They completely shit the bed. And it was one of those things where you can't even really be mad because everything was just going so wrong. The only thing that was good about that game was when Josh Allen threw the ball at the defender's head and started that whole brawl, and the ref was like, yeah, you know what, I don't want to do all the math to try and mark off this penalty, so we're just going to say, yeah, offsetting penalties, even though it, it wasn't, and I was really confused about the entire thing. But I would rather lose like that than lose like that. And I'm talking about the Bills' So I'd rather lose like the Bills did in the AFC Championship game rather than then lose in the AFC Divisional round. And the thing is, that Bills team when it lost in the AFC Championship game was really, should have been better than the team that was there last year. Last year's team went 11-6 and lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Urban Meyer's Jacksonville Jaguars 6-9. Though that's a funny score, it was a terrible-ass game. Terrible-ass game. Like, there were stretches where the Bills did not look like a good team last year. Now there's the games they got away from them, like the t- game against the Bucks, A game they should have definitely won, but, you know, they don't call holding calls in that game. Which, that's the only time in recorded Logan Blackman Show history I've ever complained about the refs. That is the only time. Because I don't really like to blame the refs. I think it's a lazy way to say you lost a game. But that game, oh my god. I was livid at the officials in that game. <laughs> but, like... I don't know. It's it's a different feeling. Like you when you like what do they always say? Like there's nothing worse than when hope's there and it gets taken away last second. Like you have that little bit of hope and then it's just gone. Like that AFC Championship game a couple of years ago, there was no hope in that game. <laughs> the Bills got absolutely dominated in that game. It wasn't even close. I don't remember the score. Apart from Josh Allen throwing the ball at the defender's head, I really don't remember what happened all too much. We were at the Keg stand and there was some random guy that sat with me and my dad. My dad went to go sit somewhere else. Like it was just Like, this game, the AFC division round sucked, and it prompted the NFL to change the overtime rules, which is uh, for the playoffs, I should say, for the playoffs. And I think it's funny, I think it's really hilarious that there's people on Twitter that think this is pandering to the Buffalo Bills, that think that the changing of the overtime rules panders to the Bills, because if it was pandering, the Bills would always win these overtime games. Like, you're acting like it only benefits the Bills. And the reason they lost this game is because, or one of the reasons, is because Josh Allen didn't get to go on the field. And they said it in the broadcast that if they kept going back and forth, this would have been a never-ending game. Would have been a never-ending game. Both teams go back, 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 back and forth and kept scoring touchdowns. And it would have just been an unstoppable game. We would have had a 100-109, whatever score game, 100-point game, the first 100-point game in NFL history would have been played last year in the AFC Divisional Round. But Chiefs fans on Twitter are trying to act like that's pandering the Bills when the Bills weren't even the team, one of the teams, that acted on this rule change. The Bills weren't even one of the teams that proposed it. It was like the Titans, the Colts, and I think the Eagles, I, I think, those are the three teams. Like It's not pandering the Bills, and this doesn't help the Bills per se, it helps every team in the NFL if you get stuck in this situation. Like, the Chiefs fans made more of a pissy fit about it a couple years ago when they lost to the New England Patriots. I don't remember seeing a lot of people throw a lot of hissy fits about the Bills losing this game. I just remember being depressed. (laughs) 13 seconds. The game that should have been. But I I don't ever remember coming on this show and going like, oh, we need to change the overtime rules. We need to change the overtime rules. I've never been one that's been bashing the NFL overtime rules. I always think that's something lazy you can do bashing the overtime rules. If your defense made a stop, you'd won, you would have had a chance in the game. If the Bills didn't play prevent defense, if the Bills didn't kick the ball to the back of the end zone, who knows what could have happened. We could have of Ransom Clock out of the field. You don't play prevent defense. You don't leave the seams wide-ass open. Maybe you go on and win the game. Hell, maybe you go on and win the Super Bowl, but we'll never know. We'll never know, but that's not pandering to the Bills. And I think it's funny now, again, like Joe Mixon was talking about how Joe Mixon uh, selling tickets on a neutral site conference game is, quote, disrespectful. Okay, I don't know why this is news to a lot of people out there. You can buy tickets before games happen, right? You know that, right? Like, the Bengals are selling game, tickets to the AFC Championship game in Cincinnati. They are selling tickets there because that's what people do. <laughs> that's what teams and organizations do, is sell tickets... For things and you can then you can go out and you know what? Give a give a what do you call it? A refund afterwards. I'm on SeatGeek right now looking at tickets for the AFC Championship game. TBD at Bengals. $323. Great deal. Like, why is this why are the Bengals and all these people on Twitter acting like they're pandering towards the Bills? I, I don't understand this. Like it's really, really confusing. And then someone on Twitter was like, wait till he finds out the Bengals are literally doing the same thing. Yeah, that's what teams do. You sell tickets beforehand, and then you dish out refunds afterwards. That's how it's always worked. You can go on SeatGeek and seek, you can buy a Bengals TBD ticket all you want. You can buy a Bills Chiefs ticket, or because that game might happen. The Bengals versus TBD might happen, which, in that case, you don't even need to put TBD, because the only way the Bengals are hosting a playoff game is if the Jaguars beat the Chiefs. So you could just put the Jaguars there. So I don't know. I always think that stuff's kind of funny. Like, you're crying about all this different stuff, and then – Again, like, I don't know why another thing, while we're on the topic of the Bengals and Bills, because this is another thing I saw. Colin Coward said if the if Cincinnati had a healthy off the line, they would blow out Buffalo. This is the same Cincinnati Bengals team that needed a 98-yard fumble recovery return for a touchdown to beat a backup quarterback in Baltimore who hadn't played for the past however many weeks against the bottom five or bottom six pass defense with the best receiving trio in the NFL. With their quarterback throwing about 200-something yards, and that team's going to blow out the Bills? Like, people are talking about being disrespectful towards the Bills in regards to saying, oh, they barely beat a third-string quarterback. Hell, I, there are a few, half the wild-card quarterbacks <laughs> were, third, were third-string quarterbacks. Or not half, but there's at least three of them that are third-string quarterbacks. Or how many games were played last week? How many games were played? So out of the six games, three of those games had backup to third-string quarterbacks on their roster. So half those games featured a backup to third-string quarterback on the roster that played that game. Brock Purdy, seventh-round draft pick, last pick in the draft, beat the Seahawks 41 to 23. Skylar Thompson was actually picked before Brock Purdy in the draft. Lost to the Bills, and then you Tyler Tyler Huntley, who hadn't played again in a few weeks, out Joe Burrow in this game. And that Bengals team that needed a 98-yard fumble recovery for a touchdown where the quarterback that threw 209 yards. And I love Joe Burrow. I've already said Joe Burrow's a top three quarterback in the NFL. Undisputed. But he threw one passing touchdown, had 209 yards passing in the game as well. And you're telling me that they are going to blow out the Bills if they had an option line? Well, that's one of the old sayings as well. If my aunt had wheels, she'd be a bike. Why the hell does that matter? You don't, it doesn't matter. They don't have a healthy option line. So you can't go ifs, ands, or buts about that thing. You barely beat a Ravens team that was an inch away from beating you. And then does this narrative change about how the Cincinnati Bengals suck? No one's talking about the Bengals sucking ass against the Ravens. Like, no one was said if Lamar, apart from the Ravens players, if Lamar Jackson was there, the Ravens would have won. Like, J.K. Dobbins came out and said that. Like, everybody's talking about if Tua was there, the Bills would have lost that game. Not remembering that, you know, the Bills beat the Ravens or beat the Dolphins a few weeks ago with Tua remember that in Buffalo pretty close similar-ish score no one in the national media is talking about Lamar Jackson was there the Bengals would lost the Bengals scored 24 points 24 let's just look at the regular season stats for the Baltimore Ravens passing defense okay again this is a passing defense that's supposed to be one of the tops in the or passing offenses it's one of the tops in the league Okay, I was wrong. They're not bottom sets. They're one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They're bottom seven passing offense in the NFL. Joe Burrow threw two hundred nine yards. Josh Allen against the sixth worst passing defense in the NFL threw three hundred and forty-two yards. Or three hundred and fifty two. He leads the NFL right now in passing yards in the playoffs. And we're talking about how the Bengals would blow out Blow out <laughs> the Buffalo Bills had they had a healthy defense. The Ravens give up what? around 40-something less yards than the Miami Dolphins do. 40-something less yards than Dolphins do. On average, they give up two yards less a game than the Dolphins do. Why is nobody bashing the Bengals for how they played against the Ravens? How is, why is nobody bashing them about that? Is that, is that? Am I missing something here? Because as far as I've heard, I've not seen one single person bash the Cincinnati Bengals when they played a similar-ish team in a similar-ish circumstance at home, but they needed a 98-yard fumble recovery touchdown to win that game. They are literally a yard away from losing that game. But no one's bringing that up. Not one person's bringing that up. I, had, I saw someone on Twitter the other day literally say, I need the small market teams in Jacksonville and Cincinnati to win these games. What, what? When the hell did Buffalo and Kansas City become big markets? Like, I think it's funny how we view market sizes in the NFL and just sports in general. Like, Houston is, a, I think, a top four city in the, in the United States in regards to population. I think they're fourth. They might be fifth. And that's considered a small market. I always think that's really funny how we view that kind of stuff. But Kansas City and Buffalo, those are not small markets. Uh, those are actually very small markets. If I, what's the smallest cities? smallest NFL cities. Let's see who the Green Bay Packers obviously are in last place in that smallest NFL city. And then oh, the second smallest is uh the Bills. But they're uh the Bengals and the Jaguars are the small market teams in this. The Jaguars actually ranked 4th in this whole poll about the smallest cities in the NFL. So you need the Jaguars and the Bills to win this game because they're actually the smallest markets left in the playoffs. Like just in the playoffs in general, because the Packers didn't make the playoffs and the Raiders were in there and then the Saints were in there. None of those teams made the playoffs. Like do people, what, what is going on on social media this week? I'm really confused about this whole situation about who's, who's who, where the standings are for the entire NFL. Like, the Chiefs are 28th. The Bills are, okay, the Bills are third according to this. What is this thing? Oh, this is just city size. Okay, this is just city size. Where is Cincinnati on this list? So Cincinnati comes in, what, one, two, three, four, five, six spots above the Bills. But the Bills are the big market. They're actually above the Kansas City Chiefs as well. And the Jaguars. So, if you're looking at... The biggest market left in the AFC, it is the Cincinnati Bengals. And this is weird for me because I actually like the Bengals. I love Joe Burrow. I love Jamar Chase. But blow out? Blow out? Is that really the route we're going here? They barely beat a bad Ravens team with a backup quarterback who has not played in like two, three weeks. And we're that's the team that's gonna route. The Buffalo Bills blow out, <laughs> quote, from Colin Cowherd. Like, what is this whole narrative going around right now? Like, people making a big deal about the Bills and she, the neutral site AFC Championship game selling tickets. Well, Cincinnati's doing that. People saying that if the Chiefs had a healthy off to the line, they would beat the Bills. Well, they don't. People talking about how the Bills will just blow out, the, the Bengals will beat the Bills in general. They beat the Ravens with a 98-yard 90, touchdown. And put up 200 yards passing against the seventh worst pass defense in the NFL, where the Bills put up over almost 400 yards of passing against the team that's just below them in the in the ranking. So is that the big? That's a big difference right there. I guess six and seven. There's a big difference because <laughs> Josh threw 352 yards, 342 yards, whatever the hell he had in that game. What do you have? Yeah, 352 yards. Right now, Joe Burrow since 12th in passing in the playoffs right now just so you know um 12 quarterbacks played last week uh, uh but justin jefferson threw a pass so joe burrows technically not last place and skylar thompson remember the the team that you know bills are like people are like oh the bills almost lost their Thurston string quarterback yeah tyler thompson skylar thompson completed 40 percent of his passes for 220 yards but that he almost beat the bills it wasn't the bills almost beating themselves like let's chill out here let's actually chill the hell out here it's actually getting ridiculous and you look at the line for this game, Bills-Bengals, the Bills are a five-and-a-half-point favorite. And I'm not sitting here saying, like, oh, I'm uber-confident going into this game. I'm just tired of these things going around on social media that the Bengals will blow out the Bills. There's a chance the Bengals beat the Bills. Hell, it's the playoffs. It's the playoffs. Things happen like this all the frickin' time. But I have no... I'm, like, 90... I'm... Because of all the stuff that's been going around on social media recently about the Bills... I'm more confident going into this game than I was last week. Like, I was not com- that confident going into last week's game. I'm actually pretty confident now going into this. Like, the Bills, according to ESPN, have a 65% chance to win. 65.2% chance to win. Bills offense averages more yards a game, both in passing – and or not passing, not passing, sorry, because, you know, whatever. But we average more rushing yards a game, which is weird. But 407 yards a game versus the Bengals, 378 yards a game. Bills also give up less yards on defense. Bengals give up 381 yards on defense. Bills give up 262 yards per game on defense. Both teams are on a nice little winning streak right now. I think the Bills are at 8. Bengals are at 9. I think that's right. I'm not going to look that up. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I think it'll be good. I think it'll be a good game. I'm gonna, If I had to predict a score, I'd go uh 28-24 Bills. That'd be my score prediction. But I don't think either team's blowing out the other team. Come on. <laughs> this is the freaking playoffs. And the Bengals and Bills. Both are good teams. Both are good teams. This might come as a surprise to you. Both are good teams. Like the national thing right now is that the Bengals are this insane oh the NFL world's just pandering towards the Buffalo Bills. Oh my God pandering towards this massive market in Buffalo. And really, they're the, the second smallest market in the NFL. And uh, the Chief, the Bengals are actually the biggest market left in the AFC above Buffalo, Kansas City, and Jacksonville. And uh, Bengals don't have enough healthy off to line, so can't bring that up. Don't matter. You can't prove that. It's like me saying the Bills will win the Super Bowl <laughs> if they beat the Chiefs last year. Who the hell knows? Maybe the Bengals beat them. Maybe the Bengals beat the Bills this weekend. Maybe that happens. And then we'll talk about man, what would have happened if they had a healthy offensive the line? They would have beat them by even more. Let's uh, let's sell down here. The Bills scored ten more points than the Bengals did last week against the same ranked defense. So let's chill out here. <laughs> same ranked pass defense, beat it by more, has scored more points, and didn't need a ninety-eight yard fumble recovery touchdown to win the game. <sighs> man, but I am excited for this game. I am really excited game. This is this is going to be a very emotional game on all fronts because remember this was the game that Demar Hamlin. Uh, collapsed on the field it was this game on uh, Monday night a few weeks ago. And it was going to be an exciting game, that game was. But now they get to resettle the score in the playoffs. This is the matchup that everybody was expecting to happen. Like, I had it pre—no, not preseason, because I, I said the Chargers would be all right. because I had the Bills as the one seed. But this was the, ex- the expected uh, playoff matchup once the playoff rankings came out. Once the Bengals got the three seed, Bills got the two seed, everybody like, okay, Bills, Bengals, it's bound to happen. It's bound to happen. And we got it. Unless the Ravens somehow beat the Bengals, which they were closer. They could have beat the Bengals last weekend. Oh, man. But the Ravens fired Greg Broman, which is not surprising. I mean, again, we said this on Wednesday's show. You look at the drought-ridden Bills who are out of the playoffs for however many years, and you look at that team you go, we're going to pluck off the coordinators and coordinators from that team. (laughs) Like Nathaniel Hackett, Fired. Bills' offensive coordinator in 2013. Uh, Greg Roman, offensive coordinator when Tyra Taylor was there. Fired. Now, that one was a little different, the, the Greg Roman in Buffalo thing, because the Bills' defense was giving up about 1,000 points a game at that time. This is Rex Ryan, Rob Ryan, the Buffalo, that Buffalo Bills team. I don't remember who the offensive coordinator was at that time. I think it was Anthony Lynn, I think. But yeah, Greg Roman getting fired is not surprising. The Bucks officially fired Byron Leftwich as well. Which again is not very surprising. The bill, the Chargers again fired Joe Lombardi, so we got a bunch of odds coordinators. On the Jets fired Lafleur, which apparently Elijah Moore went up to him and said, "Dude, you effing suck" or something like that. I don't, I'm not, I don't know the exact quote. I don't have it in front of me, but I just think that's hilarious. So now we got all these openings in offense coordinator. So who the hell is going to play? Who's hell's hell is going to go in an offense coordinator spot? Because there's a lot of decent head coaching opportunities there as well. Oh, Ken Dorsey's getting an opportunity to go coach down in Carolina. He just interviewed for the job to be their new head coach. We'll see how that one goes. But I think the running is for him or Reich. I think that one makes the most sense. But they're talking about Reich possibly going to LA because he was obviously once the, the office coordinator for the Chargers when they were down in San Diego with Philip Rivers before he took the uh, office coordinator job in Philly because I think he got fired in <laughs> San Diego. <laughs> but <laughs> well, come back. Right the ship there. Sean Payton uh, looking at the Broncos apparently is an option there. Apparently he wants Vic Fangio to be his DC. So that would be a very interesting thing there as well. We got coaches coming back with Vic Fangio obviously was the the head coach of the Denver Broncos. But we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. I saw something about Sean Payton possibly going back to New Orleans. That would be very interesting. Very interesting. Like these playoff teams, like we got Doug Peterson, we got Brian Dable, new head coaches. And doing bits, doing absolute bits. Both teams were not expected to be at this point. When you looked at the start of the season, did anybody out there think the Jaguars and the Giants would be playing the divisional round? And not only that, the Jaguars would be hosting a playoff game after winning the AFC South. And then now they're going to go play the Kansas City Chiefs. There ain't a half point underdogs. But how many people expected that at the start of the year? Especially when you midway through the year, how many people expected that? But Trevor Lawrence, again, we've talked about this before, has been playing lights out recently. Lights out recently. So you look at that Jaguars-Chiefs game. Again, they met earlier this year. They met earlier this year in Cincinnati. In Cincinnati. I'm sorry. I was thinking of a really big market there and, uh, in Kansas City. <laughs> no, know. I was thinking I've got my mind mixed up with the small markets. i got to go back to the big market in Kansas City. But, yeah, the Chiefs won 27-17. This is Kadarius Toney's, I, I think, his first game in Kansas City. I think. It was like a welcome, at, welcome party because he had a decent amount of yards rushing. He got a touchdown pa- uh, in the receiving game as well. Like, this was a nice game, for my remember Juju Smith-Schuster got knocked out of the game. There was a couple non-calls that went against the Chiefs in this game. I think Andre Sisco might have gotten a targeting that wasn't called on Juju. I think it was Andre Sisco that got the didn't get the penalty call number, but was it rough in the pass or, or not rough in the pass? Uh, a, jeez. Personal foul, uh, targeting call that wasn't called. Lawrence did not have a great game in this game. Mahomes played pretty well through an interception in the game, but 331 yards, four touchdowns in the game. Isaiah Pacheco, 82 yards rushing. They Travis Kelsey at 81 yards rushing. Yeah, it's going to be a fun game. It's going to be a fun game. And that Jag- the Jaguars now are a lot better team than the team that went into Kansas City. Like, that team against Kansas City had won three games up to that point. They won three games. The can- their record going into that game against the Chiefs was 3-6. and, se- three and six. They left that game 3-7. and seven. Like, they were bad. And they were coming off, after beating the Raiders the week prior, or the game prior, sorry, they uh, they were fresh off a nice little run of one, two, three, four, five straight losses. With one of those losses coming to the Houston Texans. The other loss coming to the Colts. The other loss coming to the Broncos. So, three teams that did not make the playoffs, and then with their first game, they lost to the Commanders, because of uh, Jahan Dotson at that game. Like, they lost to teams that didn't make the playoffs. They obviously lost to the Giants in there as well and the Eagles, but the Jaguars now, post that Chiefs game, you look at the record before and after. So they were 3-6 and six going into that Chiefs game. After the Chiefs game, they're 1-2-3-4-5-6-1. They're feeling themselves now. They had that rough loss to the Detroit Lions, 40-14, to 14, which is a weird. They ran all over them, the Lions did. Lions ran all over them. But then you saw the, the Jaguars bounce back against the Titans. They beat the Cowboys in the pick-six in overtime. Beat the Jets, beat the Texans, and then beat the Titans last game of the regular season again. Yeah, they're a better team. They're they're really they're a lot better than what they were. And they're going to have now, one of the things that could be a detriment to the Jaguars, it could be a benefit or a detriment to them. So the benefit for the Jaguars right now is that they're coming in off a very emotional win. They had a very team bonding experience against the L.A. Chargers where they came back for 27 points down to win. That can be a good thing. But then it can also be a bad thing. Because you exerted so much energy coming back in that game to where it hurts you in this game. The Chiefs have had it off. Chiefs been off. They didn't play last week, obviously, because they're the one seed. Because you know the Bills didn't lose to the Bengals, and then the Chiefs won, and then the Bills got to the two seed. It's the only time in recorded NFL history where a team did not lose and then lost a, a playoff spot. It's weird, but they're pandering. they the pandering to the Bills is just ridiculous. I gotta take a drink of Easy Eddie to to try and calm myself over this treachery the NFL is trying to do right now. Oh, man. Last thing you'll tell me is the Jaguars are selling tickets for the AFC Championship game. <laughs> but how much emotion went into that game? That could be a very, uh, what do you call it, an adrenaline dump, I guess, going into this game. But hey, Jaguars taught, they learned a lot last week how resilient they can be. They learned a lot about themselves. They were going in that game. Trevor Lawrence throws four interceptions in the first half like against Nathan Peterman level. Goes into this game against the Chiefs. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be a really fun game. I'm I'm really excited for this game. We got two really good matchups in the AFC divisional round. Actually, I got one because you know the Bengals are gonna blow out the Bills. Actually, no, because if they had a healthy offensive line, they would blow out the Bills. So they don't have a healthy offensive line, so it'll be a better game. Only because of that. Only because of that. Ugh. But this should be a good game. I'm really excited to see this one. This one's on Saturday at 3 30. The Bills Bengals game is at Sunday on Sunday at two, which is a weird time really weird time for that game. But then we will turn our attention over to the NFC's Geez, sorry, the NFC side of things. We got the Giants and Eagles. We talked about the Giants a little bit before Brian Dable coming in as the new head coach this offseason, coming over for the office coordinator of the Bills. And again, I'll keep repeating this because I think it's true. But again, if the Bills were undefeated the Bills had Dable to be undefeated right now. So, yeah, <laughs> but the I think this Eagles Giants game is gonna be a really good one. I think it's gonna be a really good. One. I don't really remember what happened between these two teams throughout the course of the season. So Giants and Eagles lost. Giants lost regular season last game of the regular season twenty two to sixteen. Where's their other game against the Eagles? Then they got blown out the first time they played them. After the Eagles, <laughs> after the Giants had their awesome twenty to twenty tie against the Washington Commanders, one of the most awesome games I've ever watched. But this one was just a Absolute blowout. Miles Sanders had 144 yards in on the ground. Tyra Taylor came into the game for an injured. Daniel Jones went five. Or no, not Dan, not injured. He just got benched because they were getting absolutely blown out. <laughs> it wasn't really it's not benched because he was like, like one of those circumstances where he's playing horrific. They were just losing. There's no point at that point. So you just got to put in your backups, try to salvage something in that game. Salvage so a little bit of pride. But again, like we talked about with the Jaguars, the Giants are Playing pretty—actually, they're not. Wow, I thought they were playing a little better than what they were. <laughs> they started off playing a lot better than what they finished. But coming off a win against the Vikings, Daniel Jones coming off the best game of his career. By far. Not even close. I mean, dude had what? He had 301 yards passing, two touchdowns, also had 78 yards on the ground. Led the, Vi- the Giants—well, I guess both—led both teams in carries and yards in this game. Dalvin Cook was the only person that carried the ball, apart from Kirk Cousins, who had a quarterback sneak. I think it was a quarterback sneak. I can't really remember Kirk Cousins' touchdown, but Dalvin Cook was the only person that really carried the ball from the Minnesota Vikings. He had 15 carries for 60 yards. That was it. Like, the Giants had 30 carries between their team. All the people that carried the ball, Daniel Jones led the way with 17, 78 yards. Saquon Barkley had nine carries in the game for 53 yards. Then you had Isaiah Hodgins, 105 yards receiving, with a touchdown there. Darius Slayton had 88 yards receiving. Barkley had 56, so he had over 100 yards total yards of off 100 total yards of offense. But yeah, I don't really, as much as I like the Giants and I'm rooting for them in the NFC because you know Brian Dable's the o- the new head coach there. I want to see them do well. I, j- I just have a hard time picturing them beating the Eagles. I just have a hard time picturing that. Like it it, it could, it's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good game. Right now, the Eagles are a seven and a half point favorite. But I just, yeah, I do. I'm going to go with the Eagles. I'm going to go with the I think the Eagles should be able to win that game. I don't know how comfortably, but I think they should be able to win that game. And then the final game of the weekend is the Cowboys and Niners. So this one's a nice little old-fashioned rivalry here. Back in the 90s, these two teams met, I think, in three straight NFC Championship games. I think. Maybe four. Maybe four straight NFC Championship games. Because the in the 90s, you saw the Cowboys win back-to-back Super Bowls. And then he saw the Niners win one, and then he saw the Cowboys win their third one. Like, in four years, those teams won four Super Bowls. Played in the AFC Championship games all the time. Steve Young obviously beat the Chargers, Cowboys beat the Bills, and then they obviously beat the Steelers as well. But these two teams now, I, I think the Niners, I mean, a lot of people, again, we talked about this before, the Niners are probably the favorite for a lot of people to win the Super Bowl. They're just a really complete team. You look at their offensive weapons with McCaffrey, with Kittle, with Samuel, with Ayuk. They're sick. They're sick. And then you've also got a number one ranked defense in the NFL, Fred Warner. Like, they've got Nick Bosa, who's probably, running away with NFL Defensive Player of the Year right now. They're a stacked-ass team. Now, the Cowboys are a good team as well. I don't want to say sit here and say, like, oh, the Cowboys are completely overmatched in this game, because they're not. The Cowboys got their own studs as well. Dak Prescott, very talented quarterback. Uh, Tony Pollard, almost said Zeke. No, Tony Pollard. Solid running back, C.D. Lamb, uh, Michael Gallup, Dalton Schultz had a game last week against the Bucks. Then you also got Trayvon Diggs on defense, Micah Parsons. Like, you got players on both sets of teams. Absolute players on both sets of teams. If I had to predict, I'd say the Niners are going to win this game, but it'll be close. Again, it'll be close, especially with how the Cowboys played last week. They had a relatively easy week last week. You could go go out and say that they had a bye week. Like, the Niners early on against against the Seahawks, they struggled. They were losing at halftime 17-16. So going into this game, the Cowboys feel like, oh man, we just cruised past Tom Brady and the Bucks. We ended his Buccaneers career. We ended Byron Leftwich uh, Buccaneers career as well. It's gonna be a fun one. But I saw something today that kind of kind of perked my ear up a little bit. It was the NFL. I think it was NFL Network, NFL Network or ESPN. I don't remember who it was. Was comparing Brock Purdy and Dak Prescott. And I think it's fun to to compare it and tr- contrast quarterbacks from time to time, but. I think it's too early to start comparing and contrasting Brock Purdy with Dak Prescott. I understand that Brock Purdy has the same number of playoff wins as Dak before they beat the Bucs last week, but it's too early. It's too early. You can't compare Brock Purdy to that. He's in a completely different situation. Again, if you looked at the entire league, there's not a lot of quarterbacks that have a better group of weapons than Brock Purdy does right now. When you look at running back, number, number one running back, number one wideout and number one tight end, who is competing with Brock Purdy in regards to weaponry. Like, you could say the Bengals are kind of up there on an on a normal year. Joe Mixon's not really having that great of a year this year, but Mixon, Chase, and then Hayden Hurst, is that is that the other the other option here? What other teams are really competing with that? It's not the Bills. It's not the Chiefs. It's not really the Dolphins. They don't really have a solid group. Of, they don't really have that great of a running game. The Cowboys rank up there with Pollard, CeeDee Lamb, and Dalton Schultz. Not really. I mean, kind of. They're solid enough. The Eagles, Sanders, Brown, and Goddard? Maybe. The Vikings? Vikings are probably up there, too. So the Vikings got Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, TJ Hawkinson. So they're definitely up there with the Niners. I think that's the only team that comes close, is it? Unless I'm completely forgetting about something. I'm looking around the NFL right now trying to figure out who else the team would be there. I think the only Vikings are the only other team that would be mentioned up there. But, like, McCaffrey, Kittle, Samuel... Like, all you have to do, especially when you have a system like Kyle Shanahan has in place, and this is why Kyle Shanahan, we've talked about this before, this is why Kyle Shanahan wanted Mac Jones when they, were tra- when they traded up to number three instead of Trey Lance. Because Mac Jones will follow the system to a T. Like, Kyle Shanahan just needs a quarterback to not turn the ball over a bunch and just not make stupid mistakes, and he'll be fine. Which is exactly why Brock Purdy's playing as well as he is. Like, you will look at what Purdy is doing right now for San Francisco— what he's not really doing is turning the football over. He's not doing that. He's playing very, very smart, which is what you need when you're a quarterback in Kyle Shanahan's system. You just need to play smart. You look at last week how many fumbles and interceptions Brock Purdy had? He had zero. How many touchdowns did he have? He had four total touchdowns in this game. Like He's not really doing a, he's not turning the ball over, which is huge. He's thrown four interceptions this year. And he probably should have had a few against Seattle the first time they played when Purdy was there. But yeah, it's uh, he's playing well. He's playing well, but I don't think it's fair to compare him to Dak Prescott right now. I know they're winning a lot of games right now. They're undefeated with him as a starter. Uh, in total, you have 16 touchdowns, no interceptions or four interceptions on the season so far. You also have four rushing t- or two rushing touchdowns with him as well. He's playing well. He's playing really, really well. Had a great game last week in Seattle. Though it didn't start off great, it finished great. But there's not, a lot, again, there's not a lot of people that are, have that group of weapons. So let's stop, let's settle down here on like putting Brock Purdy in the upper echelon of the NFL. Because there's a chance, though small, smaller, I guess you could say, than it was a few weeks ago, that Purdy does not come back as a starter next year. I'm not saying that they'll, they'll bring someone in like a Tom Brady or an Aaron Rodgers or somebody. But, geez, I'm sorry, my guts all wumbling around. But you you look at like Trey Lance possibly coming back too. So it's gonna be, it's gonna be interesting. The, the the Niners, one of their front office people just got the the GM job with the Titans. So maybe they trade for Trey Lance. Maybe that's an option there for the the Tennessee Titans. I don't know. I'm just I'm just trying to keep up the options. Keep the options flowing here. Keep the options flowing here. And I saw speaking of Rodgers. Rob Gronkowski had a say on the the whole Rodgers thing about not wanting to come back to their rebuilding. And I said on Wednesday that, yeah, he's older. He's one of the older quarterbacks in the NFL, second oldest in the NFL behind Brady. Uh, you don't want to be a part of rebuild. You don't want to be a part of rebuild. But the thing that I didn't really point out, because I didn't really think about this until I heard Gronk say it, was Rodgers, like, I think like, I can be an MVP for another team. Gronk said, why are you focus on the MVP? You got to be focused on Super Bowls. And that's 100% true. You don't need to focus on the individual accolades. You try to go on and win a Super Bowl. Because with people out there, including myself to a certain extent, until he goes out and wins another Super Bowl, people won't be really ranking up there in the top five quarterbacks in the NFL. NFL history. We can talk about him being one of the most talented quarterbacks of all time. And he's definitely one of the greatest. We're not disputing that. I'm not disputing Rodgers' greatness. But being in that upper echelon, being on the possible Mount Rushmore of NFL quarterbacks. Because I think the Mount Rushmore... Of NFL quarterbacks, so I saw some people talking about like your Mount Rushmore of Iowa Hawkeye football player, Iowa Hawkeye athletes. And I saw people putting five. No, the, the whole thing about Rush, Mount Rushmore is that there's four. <laughs> so for Rogers to get into that Mount Rushmore, he's got to win another Super Bowl, in my opinion. I you're entitled to your own opinion on that one. But in mine, the top four quarterbacks in NFL history in this order, in this order, is Brady, Montana, Manning, and Elway. Those are the top four quarterbacks in NFL history. That's your Mount Rushmore at this moment. So for Rodgers, he can't be going out there focusing on MVP talk. You got to be out there focusing on Super Bowl trophies. Because I understand Rodgers, I think if he wins one more MVP, passes Peyton Manning for the most all-time or something like that. But don't care. He's won enough. MVPs. says he doesn't need to get another Super Bowl. And that Super Bowl was freaking 13 years ago. And he didn't even make the playoffs this year. So let's, let's reel it back. And cast the line out a little bit further, and let's go for the Super Bowl. Now, if you were doing, like, Mount Rushmore of quarterbacks of the 2010s or of my lifetime, then, yeah, I would say Rodgers goes into that category. So you got, like, Brady Manning, and then, uh, unless I'm completely forgetting someone, like, Rodgers would go in there. And then who would be another quarterback that i put there in the Mount? Drew Brees, probably. Brees or Favre? One of those two. Of my lifetime. People that I have sat down and watched. Josh Allen. No, uh, Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes. Of my lifetime. Patrick Mahomes, I, I like watching Mahomes more than I like watching Brees. I love Drew Brees. I think he's one of the greats. But, and Mahomes isn't in the all-time greats thing yet. I don't want to make that sound like I'm putting him up there in a top 10 quarterback rankings yet. But he's definitely on his way there. And I'm projecting a little bit. I'm going out there and projecting. I think Mahomes is definitely on the way to being one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. He's one of the greatest talents in NFL history, if not the greatest talent at the quarterback position ever. But I don't want to put him up there in the upper echelon yet. But I, he's one of those players. Like I've, I've talked to my dad about this before, and I have talked to my friends about this to a certain extent. Like, there's a few players right now, like where you go, they're they're in all time. They're that's a great player. That's a guaranteed first ballot Hall of Famer. And like you look at those players, you're like, wow, that's insane. Like no one else is doing that. And I think there's. Right now, if I had to put money on it, on the offensive side of things, let's start on the offensive side of things, I think there's um, two guaranteed first ballot Hall of Famers at this point, offensively. And this is just skill positions. I'm not including off-to-linemen here because we could go down a whole, there's a lot of really good off linemen right now. Or not really, but there's there's some good off-to-linemen in the NFL right now. But I think, like, and excluding the old guys, like Rodgers and Brady and stuff like that, you've got De- Devontae Adams and Patty Mahomes. Like, they, like, there are stuff Devontae Adams does on a football field that just makes me go, what? How, how the hell did that happen? How the hell did that happen? Like, he had some plays against, for the Raiders, this year with freaking Jarrett Stidham at quarterback. He made some plays against the Chiefs the last week of the regular season, and then they, the Raiders just like, yeah, you know what, we're not going to show up anymore. We're not going to show up anymore. But Devontae Adams is great. Devontae Adams is an all-time great. That dude is freaking amazing. Like, he does things. And his career started off a little bit slower than what a lot of people would have expected it to. Or not maybe what not expected it to, because he was only a second-round draft pick. But, like, you would look at the receivers that he was with in his first few years in Green Bay. He had to fight for those reps. And then once he got him, he took advantage of them. And now he's the best receiver in the NFL, bar none. I don't really think there's a lot of people out there that say it differently. I mean, there's going to be people like Justin Jefferson. I think Jefferson's definitely on his way, but we're only in his third year in the NFL, so it's too early to go that route yet. But he's definitely on his way there. Um, Any other players that are on their way there? I I think McCaffrey has a few more healthy seasons. I think he's definitely on his way there. Because McCaffrey, again, McCaffrey's the best running back in the NFL when healthy. You're seeing it now. He has 1,300 yards of total offense for the 49ers. He's been there for like 10 games. That's ridiculous. That is stupid numbers. It's stupid numbers. Oh, Travis Kelsey, he's gonna have pretty much every tight end record by this point, so he's on his way there as well. But Mahomes and Adams are great. Great, 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 great. And then you got other quarterbacks like I don't know. I feel like Allen and Burrow will need to do a little bit more. I I had this this like everybody's I saw this too. Like, people are talking about Josh. There's some, I'm not saying there's a vast majority of people doing this, but there's some people out there that are saying Josh Allen had a regression this year. Where Josh Allen's numbers, I don't don't get it. Josh Allen had pretty much the exact same season from last year to this year. Like, pretty much the exact, it's actually really weird. Even going down to the rushing numbers. Now, he played one less game than what he did last year. So he's played 16 games. But you look at the numbers, his completion percentage is the exact same. So he's 3.3. Then he had hmm, 4,200 passing yards. He had 4,400 last year. He had 35 touchdowns this year. He had 36 last year. He had 14 interceptions this year. He had 15 last year. His yards per attempt had gone up this year. Because, again, this is what we're talking about with Ken Dorsey just drawing up verts the entire time. And running deep throws. And then rushing numbers. Josh Allen last year had 122 rush attempts. Josh Allen this year had 124. Rush attempts last year, or rushing yards last year, he had 763. This year he had 762 (laughs) with one more touchdown. Same number of fumbles, lost, because that's the only thing that really matters here. If you you lost fumbles, that's more important than just fumbling. I think fumbling itself, because he has 29 fumbles for his career total, which is not great by any stretch of the imagination. But it really matters if you don't recover it. You know what I mean? Like, that's where it really matters if you don't recover it. Now, he only had two fumbles lost this year, which isn't, like, again, not great. But it's not terrible. Like, you remember Daniel Jones early on? Dude was fumbling every other every other play, and it wasn't getting recovered. But, yeah. So, it's Josh Allen regression. No. No, 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 no. But other quarterbacks, again, outside of Brady and Rodgers, like Mahomes or Mahomes, Allen Burrow's the top three quarterbacks in the NFL. I think everybody kind of understands that. I know Jalen Hurts got second team All Pro. I understand that. I respect that. I think Jalen Hurts number four. I just don't think he's as good. If that, I, I was trying to find another way to say that, but I, don't, I just don't think I don't think he's as good as them. I just don't. I know his numbers are good. Herbert, I put him at number five. I think that's why we had him in our quarterback rankings. But yeah, we got to... We got some great, we got some good players right now in the NFL. But Rogers, yeah, the, don't focus on MVPs anymore, dude. You're you're damn near forty. You got you got to focus on another Super Bowl. But yeah, that's the divisional wild card. So the divisional round, Super Duper divisional round. So we got the Jaguars, Chiefs are going to take the cha- the Chiefs. I'm not saying that they're going to cover the spreads. I'm going to say take the money line, <laughs> money line Chiefs, money line Eagles, money line Bills, money line Niners. So we're just taking the home teams. If I had to pick upsets. Uh, Jaguars Chiefs could be an interesting one. Jaguars Chiefs could be an interesting one. I'm not saying they're going to, but it could be an interesting. I think all these teams are like, the, but all these games could go either direction. I would love to see the Jaguars beat the Chiefs. I think that'd be hilarious. But who knows? Who knows? Jaguars are coming in hot. Jaguars are playing some good football right now, so maybe they come in hot. But so are the Bills. So are the Chiefs. So are the Bengals. Like the Bengals and Bills, nine and eight game win streaks. One of those streaks got to end. One of those streaks has got to end, so it's intriguing to see which one will end first. I'm hoping the Bengals one ends first. I'm really hoping the Bengals one ends first. Now, this is a... I don't really want to spend too much... I'm gonna, we're going to try and keep the show a little bit shorter today. We're not going to have an insanely long show today. But I saw this quote the other day, and it, it makes me like double down on what I said On Wednesday, I think we talked about the Wednesday, Wednesday or Friday. I don't really remember. About Levis being the number one overall pick in the draft, and I think that the Indianapolis Colts are the most likely team to trade up in the 2023 NFL draft. This is a quote from Chris Ballard, who's still the GM of the Indianapolis Colts. This is from March 31st, 2022, from uh, Brent Sobleski, at Brent Sobleski. He's verified on Twitter. I don't know if he verified Twitter blue or what. I don't know, but. A little insight to, into one GM's thinking of the evaluating when evaluating draft prospects. So a quote from Chris Ballard Quote, I want to make sure we're getting the best guy with traits. Let's bet on traits. Bet on high end, high end traits. Who has the most high end traits out of the top three quarterbacks in this draft class that are the favorites to go for the number one overall pick? Levis. This is the same thing we got last year with Trayvon Walker exact same thing now it could be a situation where the guy goes number two in his first year in the NFL he's a lot better than Trayvon Aiden Hutchinson has had a much better year this year no debating than Trayvon Walker it's not that Trayvon Walker hasn't been like good or anything he just hasn't been as good as Hutchinson Derek Stingley was having a great year gets hurt and then the corner goes right after him Namad Gardner has a great year Amon Gardner, first team all pro, second first first rookie corner to be set first team all pro since like in sixty years or something like that. Could be wrong, but I think that's what it said. But like now we're in the NFL, we are in the NBA range of draft where we're betting on traits. Like you look at the NBA, you look at some of the players that have come from overseas. Like the one that I always the one that pops in my head <laughs> because I watched this draft was when the Phoenix Suns had two top 10 picks. Second top 10 pick was Marquise Christ. Do you remember who the first top 10 pick of that draft was? Dragon Bender. Do you want to know how many points Dragon Bender scored in his, his uh, career over in Europe for, I think, Makai Tel Aviv or something like that? Dragon Bender, while playing for, oh yeah, it was Makai Tel Aviv, played seven games, averaged 2.1 points a game, averaged 10.5 minutes a game, and then uh, was drafted fourth overall by the Phoenix Suns in 2016. Bet on traits is what that was. He was a power forward center. Do you want to know whether other power forward center went after him? That was uh, Demonis Sabonis, who's playing pretty well right now for the Sacramento Kings. Thon Maker was another one in the 20, 2016 NBA draft. Thon Maker was a traits beast. Kevin Garnett, so much so, Kevin Garnett said he's a future MB, MVP of the league. Seven foot, 230 pounds, 10th overall pick by the Bucks. Played three years in Milwaukee, went to Pitt, Detroit, went to Cleveland, and now he's playing for um, a team that I know you're all, all familiar with uh, the Fujian Sturgeons in the Chinese Basketball Association. Where is Dragon Bender playing right now? Dragon Bender is playing for Monbus Obradero. Obadiro. I don't know if I'm saying that right. <laughs> like it, we're going down that route right now in the NBA, in the NFL. And I'm not saying like every single player that bet on traits, it did not work out for him. That's not the case. Like Christoph Sperzingis was a traits guy and he played really well for the Knicks. I know he's kind of a laughing stock now, but he played really well for the New York Knicks when he was drafted fourth overall. Everybody thought it was freaking crazy. Everybody thought it was freaking crazy that he went that high. And then the Knicks took him. But he worked out for them before getting traded. Like, we're going down that route. And it it can work out well for you. It cannot work out. Like, the Bulls drafted Patrick Williams fourth overall. Or, yeah, fourth overall. Youngest player in the draft. Youngest player in the draft. Bet on his traits. They develop into something really, really good. And he's been all right at best, you would say, for the, the Chicago Bulls. <laughs> I don't know why I played so hard on that. that's the direction we're going. And it's fun because it makes the draft a little bit more interesting. It's going to make a lot of people more angry because you're going, I watched this guy ball out in college. Why is he going after said guy that supposedly has better traits? I don't know. Sometimes the main reason for that, the main cog in that whole thing for the NFL purposes, because the NFL didn't look at the NBA It goes, ooh, let's look at what they did when drafting this guy. No, no, it's the NFL. It's Josh Allen. Josh Allen is the traits thing. Because they, back in 2018, when you look at the top players in the draft, Baker Mayfield's college career was better, arguably, than every quarterback in that draft class. Because you obviously had Lamar Jackson there, won a Heisman Trophy as well. But better career than everybody in that draft class. Went number one overall. So I'm not saying that's right or wrong that Will Levis will go number one overall. I just think that's what's going to happen. And I think if it's the Colts, I don't think Bryce Young will be in the conversation with the Colts. Because Bryce Young, for how great of an athlete he is, how great of a talent he is, because again, I think if Bryce Young was a few inches taller, he'd be the number one pick of the draft, no question. But how talented Bryce Young is, Bryce Young's not big. Bryce Young is very small. I think Bryce Young will be number two overall pick. I think he'll be the number one quarterback on a lot of people's boards. But I think Levis, with how big he is, Uh, His attitude, his leadership, I think a lot of people, his skill set, will fall in love with Levis during that period, the scouting period, rather than what he did in regards to his statistical measurements. Like, you look at his numbers next to Bryce Young's numbers, they're not even close. They're not even close. You can do career numbers, you can do this year's numbers, whatever. They're not even close to who's better or who had a better college career. Bryce Young won the Heisman last year. He was the first Heisman, Heisman Trophy winner at Alabama to play the quarterback position. For, I, I worded that so weird. He is the first quarterback to play for Alabama that ever won the Heisman. First one ever. And the weird thing is, you think about how great of a history Alabama has, how storied their program is. Bryce Young, if he gets drafted first overall, he would be the first player from Alabama history in the common draft era to do so. Common draft. Common draft. I think, I think that goes back to the 80s. I think that's the era which they define that as, the common draft era. I think it was the end of the USFL and all that stuff. I, I don't really remember how it all worked out, whether they could do the common draft era, the draft era, whatever. Because I'm pretty sure Joe Namath, who went to Alabama as well, was a number one overall pick in the draft. Maybe he wasn't the number one. Yeah, okay, it was the AFL draft he was the number one overall pick in. Okay, never mind. But it was the merger. That's the common draft era, I believe. But it's weird. The draft's fun. The draft's fun, but that quote from Chris Ballard I thought was really interesting, and I had to share it on here today because I I, I feel like that vindicates what I said (laughs) about I think Levis will go first overall if the Colts pick number one overall. I like the idea of C.J. Stroud going to Indianapolis, but I just don't see that happening. I don't see that happening. I think, like, the Panthers would love to take Levis, but I think they've got too far to go. If I'm the Bears, I would love to stay in that top four. You stay in that top four, you get one of the top two players in the draft and Carter or Anderson, you're fine. Because realistically, the Colts and Texans will take quarterbacks. And the Cardinals aren't going to take... I mean, if the Cardinals somewhat... If someone trades up with the Cardinals, who knows? But your likelihood of getting Carter or Anderson, whichever one, works out beautifully for you. Cardinals probably leaning towards Anderson right now. But you get Carter, it's sure up that defense line, get a nice 3 tag option there. You're looking good. You're looking pretty, 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 pretty good. And then while we're talking about CJ Stroud, Ohio State's only had one QB in school history taken within top five. And that top five pick was an 82 Art Schliechter. The Golden Arrow, the Straight Arrow, whatever his name was, but nickname was. But he got a gambling addiction and got kicked out of the NFL, was arrested a bunch of times. It didn't, didn't really work out. He was drafted by the Colts, ironically. So we'll see if CJ Stroud can follow suit. But again, I think the draft order for quarterbacks will go Levis, Young, Stroud. If I had to bet, that's not my order and what quarterbacks I think are better than the other ones. But I think that's the order in which they will get drafted if I had money to bet on it. So I'm telling you, if you want to bet on the draft right now and then try to try to wager going into that or something like that, if you want to bet on that and going in, I don't know how I'm trying to word this thing. <laughs> oh my God. I don't know I'm trying to word this. Let's just end the show here. Let's just end the show here. I think it's been a fun show today. Uh, you heard me bitch and moan at the start of the show and then we've kind of got a little bit more calmed down as the show went on, but, uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I don't think we have anything else really to talk about today. I don't think so. I could be very wrong. Maybe I'm forgetting something completely. Let's see. I'm scrolling. Oh, Messi and Ronaldo played together, played against each other for the last time today. Uh, PSG one five four. It was a, uh, uh, Saudi All Star Game or something. It was like the MLS All Star Game, but you know Messi and Ronaldo played in it, so it was pretty big. Anything else that is on my mind going into this Wild Card Weekend? Not really. U.S. Men's National Team made a squad for the January call ups. We'll see how that one works. And that's yeah, that's it. That's it. I hope you enjoyed the show today. If not, I sincerely apologize. But once again, make sure you leave a uh, a rating on five stars on both Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And then uh, make sure you're subscribed. And while you're at that, make sure you follow Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media. You can go check out the theloganblattmanshow.com. Check out different blog posts. Check out podcast episodes there as well. If you're too lazy to go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you can check them out there. So, yeah, with that being said, I will see you all later. Enjoy your weekend. Avoid, enjoy Super Duper Division of Wildcard Weekend. <laughs> and I will see you all later. Peace.